0: That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. I have a dream, one day, this nation will rise up, live out the true meaning of its tree. We hold
1: these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. The world will little note nor long remember what we say, but it can never forget what they did.
0: What
1: your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Hello, and welcome to Eccentric Earth, the podcast where I, your host, Amy Walker, delve into stories from across history with a guest who has no idea what the topic's going to be. Joining me for this episode is Han Birch. Hello. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are
0: you? Yeah, good. Um, you, were, you were researching until pretty pretty late last night for this episode.
1: I I was, yeah. i honestly, this is the first episode where I feel nervous. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Because just because of how much there is in this, and the fact mm. that. Well, people listening to this will see that this is labeled a part one, mainly because there's so much more to this than I thought there'd be, and and unless there is some miracle in the recording where we talk really, really quick, this is going to be a three episode story. So that's scary for me because it, it just feels so big. I've never done anything like that.
0: So are you gonna are you gonna tease it out? Are you gonna are you gonna do all three in one week, or is this going to be the next three weeks content?
1: I don't know. I'm thinking this is definitely coming out Monday. Hmm. i'm thinking part two thursday part three the following monday Ah, oh, okay you know I, I was thinking well i can hold it back and you know with the other recording i've already got scheduled this week that would be like a month's worth of episodes all all there ready to go i don't have to panic but mm-hmm. it's like i think it being a multi-part people would probably want it a bit quicker so yeah yeah, I, I think that's gonna be the plan. So if you're listening to well, this, fingers crossed, you will get part two on Thursday. And if not, I'm a liar and we'll go back and re-edit this to remove <laughs> this whole thing.
0: <laughs> it <was like> that. <laughs> uh yeah, I mean I've only I've only been waiting oh, you asked me what, about five five four or five days ago? Uh
1: yeah, not not too long ago.
0: And then you gave me a couple of sort of no, I wouldn't call them hints, but you've said you've said a couple of things. Okay. About what this is
1: about. So what, which, what have which... I said to you then, for for the listeners? It's you know.
0: it's, a, it's a person. Okay. Um, it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you've learned a lot that you didn't know about before. Yeah. Um, and it is somehow related to current
1: events. Mm. Hmm. That that's that's all you said to me. And uh, you turned around last night and said you you've got a suspicion. You know what it is?
0: No, I didn't say that. I said I have a theory. I could be I could be very very wrong. A theory is it's the same kind of thing, you know. True. Okay. So <laughs> okay. No, I'm not going to call them a theory. I'm going to call them a guess. I have two guesses. Ooh, One which I think is more, is more likely than the other. Mm. Um. So this one, I think, is the least likely. Yeah. Uh, John McCain. Okay. And the one which I think is more likely, but you know, I have no, I have no idea if I'm if I'm anywhere near the mark is uh,
1: Robert Mueller. Okay. So those are my two guesses. Mm. Some some interesting guesses. Yeah. Hmm.
0: Me, even though it's going to be like, literally, you're going to tell me in, what, 40, 50 seconds time. You <laughs> still wait, wait that 40, 50 seconds, aren't you, until you start, until you start the episode properly. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Even though the audience yeah. at this point know exactly what the topic is. Oh, and yeah. they <laughs> will know whether you're right or wrong, if one <laughs> of your guesses is right, or if none of them are right.
0: Oh, so really, I'm the only fool.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're the only person who doesn't know.
0: Oh, hooray. (laughs) My cat doesn't know either.
1: Ah, well that makes it fairer, I guess.
0: Yeah, but I don't think he
1: cares. (laughs) So shall, shall we get started so you can find out if one of your theories was right? Yeah. Before we get into our story, I just want to take a moment to talk to you about the Cosplay Journal, a new coffee table magazine by friend of the show Holly Rose, focusing on the diversity and craft of cosplay. The Cosplay Journal is out now, and I've read the first issue. It's a great read, full of informative articles and beautiful photographs. I'm a geek myself, but I'm not a cosplayer, yet I still found a lot in this magazine to give me a deeper look into this part of geek culture. The book has craft-focused articles on sewing, armour building, and makeup, as well as some interviews with some incredible cosplayers, some professional, some simply being the perfectionist amateur. They ask, are cosplay guests worth it in their opinion piece article and have a handy guide for cosplayers on how to survive a con, which is advice worth reading even if you're not a cosplayer. The Cosplay Journal is available now. You can find it on Amazon for just 9 so make sure you pick up your copy today so that you don't miss out. John Sidney McCain III. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> How how do you feel about the topic now? Then are you are you okay with this? Happy? Excited? Uh,
0: yeah, no, no, no. Um, out of both of them, I I know like two or three things about most of them, and in fact, the other day there was like somebody on my on my Facebook did post a sort of like biographical breakdown, and because I already had it in my head that you might be doing it, I didn't read it. Um, <laughs> nice so, so I'm really really I'm really really interested especially because there's also been an also an, quite a lot of division about yes. about him now that he has died
1: which is um, what put me on to this in the first place it's it's not just cashing in on someone's death no, <laughs> it's, no, no because... it's I wanted to find out why some people are like fuck him he's a monster or people are like no he's a good guy it's like those are fairly polar polar yeah. views and I want to know more yeah. about this guy and why
0: Yes. Yes. And, and so I, so, so, so because I've seen the division and because I've, uh, you know, I don't know anything about him. I was like, um, well, if if that's, if that is Amy's topic, great, because I know, you know, I trust her research. Mm. I trust her sourcing Um, so it's going to be a really good opportunity to find out, to find out about him so I can then make my own judgment. Um, and if, if it is Robert Mueller or somebody else, then, um, I'll go and research
1: later. <laughs> <laughs> I I do want to say I've, since reading about McCain and researching, I've developed some feelings and opinions of my own, which I didn't have okay. before, but I'm not going to go into that until the end. You know, if at the end of each episode we want to talk about that section of his life, we can. But yeah. I'm presenting this as unbiased and just straight down the middle factual as I can. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm not going to go into this with any sort of bias or with any kind of agenda so hopefully the the listeners will be happy about that because i I normally try not to give any sort of bias on these topics
0: there's a difference there's a difference between personal bias personal opinion based on fact and trying to skew those facts to fit your agenda prior to that and um that's you know
1: that's more of a right-wing thing to do (laughs) which is why i will not be doing that no right so let's get into John McCain. Yeah, let's get into John McCain. So, John Sidney McCain III was born on August 29th, 1936, at a United States Navy hospital at Coco Solo Naval Air Station in the Panama Canal Zone, which was at the time considered to be among the unincorporated territories of the United States. His parents were Navy officer John S. Jack McCain Jr., and Roberta McCain. He had a younger brother named Joe and an older sister named Sandy. John McCain's grandparents were natives natives of Arkansas, Mississippi and Texas, and much of his ancestry was southern on both his mother's and father's sides.
0: Can I say one thing, Amy?
1: Yeah? I've, I've heard you do this a few, few times. Arkansas, not Arkansas. They should fucking spell it that way then. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the W? <laughs> all right Dave Anthony <laughs> yeah yeah I I am fully aware I've gone full dollop because yeah. I've just listened to the New Zealand episode as well so I know how much trouble he has with pronunciations <laughs> but that yeah. is ridiculous
0: uh, it is ridiculous
1: <laughs> okay I,
0: I I I personally I quite like the idea of of, of
1: renaming it our well if I if I don't remember how it's meant to be pronounced, it may be renamed that again in future episodes. <laughs> oh where was I? Okay. The McCain's family patriarchal lineage ancestral home was in Mississippi's Carroll County, where they owned and ran a two thousand acre plantation in Tico from eighteen forty eight till nineteen fifty two. The plantation had slaves before the American Civil War, some of whom's descendants share the surname and call themselves the Black McCaines. <gasps> <Okay.
0: a> <laughs> yeah. Well, as soon as you sort of said Mississippi and then said plantation. Yeah, you knew you that, that was the- coming. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. I don't know when the American Civil War was. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty sure if it was before the American Civil War they would have so so they gave the slaves
1: their surname, yeah. Quite quite often, um, slaves would have their owners' surnames. So when yeah. a lot of slaves became free, they kept those names. Well,
0: so, also, or that you know, when the white plantation yeah. owners were were fucking the uh, the slaves. Yep, yeah, that and, as well.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. you say fucking raping.
0: Yes, sorry, raping.
1: I'm sure there were occasions where it it could have been consensual, but I think the majority of it was was sexual assault. Well,
0: you know. Can you consent to sex when you're the uh, when you're the property of something when you're the pro- when you're seen as property and not a person?
1: True. Yeah. Okay. Hundred percent rape. Yeah. After the Civil War, the family became sharecroppers. McCain's father and paternal grandfather were both Navy admirals, and were the first father-son pair to achieve four-star admiral rank. Wow. Hmm.
0: You know what? The is it five? Is five star the highest? As far away, yes. Yeah, sounds sounds American.
1: But five star would be, yeah.
0: Do you know Do you know anything about the star system, about how it works? Uh,
1: not off the top of my head, no. I know I know it's Brigadier General, Major General. Oh. Uh, I'm not oh. sure what the next ranks are, but it's the stars are like the more stars you got, the higher the general you are.
0: Oh right, okay. Thank so, you.
1: Yeah, that that's that's my basic knowledge of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm going to be honest, most of that comes from Stargate SG-1.
0: (laughs) Both scientifically and historically accurate. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) I'm going to assume that the show about the aliens who built the pyramids and seeded mankind across the galaxy is at least factually correct in its military structure. (laughs) No, I know they had military consultants on that show, so I'm pretty sure I'm right about that one.
0: (laughs) You never know, they might be right about everything.
1: His grandfather, Admiral John S. Slew McCain Sr., was a pioneer of aircraft carrier operations, who in 1942 commanded all land-based air operations in support of the Guadalcanal campaign, and who ultimately, in 1944 and 1945, aggressively led the fast carrier task force in the Pacific Ocean Theatre of World War Two. Wow. Yeah. His his military family, his his father and grandfather, big shots in the military, like serious heavy mm. hitters. Which yeah. is one of the things I never knew about him.
0: No, wow. I didn't I didn't even know that he was that he was from a military family.
1: Mm. His operations off the Philippines and Okinawa and airstrikes against Formosa and the Japanese home islands caused tremendous destruction of Japanese naval and air forces in the closing periods of the war. His death, four days after the Japanese surrender ceremony in Tokyo Bay, was front page news. So that
0: sounds like that he wasn't killed in action.
1: Nope. As far as I'm aware, he, he just passed away after the war.
0: Oh, well, yeah, I guess, for an, well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't really get much time to like celebrate his victory or anything, did he? No, but at least he did get to see it.
1: Four days after, it's like he knows he helped bring the war to a close. Mm
0: -hmm. Although, to be fair, I think it was more the atomic bombs that brought the war to a close than any naval encounters,
1: And and that shouldn't really be celebrated. No! His father, Jack McCain, was a submarine commander in several theatres of operation in World War II and was decorated with both the Silver Star Medal and the Bronze Star Medal. For his first ten years, Johnny McCain, the nickname he was given as part of a family tradition of distinguishing the generations, because all three of them were called John, was frequently uprooted as his family followed his father to Pearl Harbor, Hawaii, and other stations in the Pacific Ocean. Summer vacations were sometimes spent at the family's Tico plantation, but McCain always felt his heritage was military, not southern.
0: Yeah, I mean, that might... Yeah. I mean, if you... Yeah, I mean, there is there is a distinct culture surrounding those kids that grow up on being shunted around foreign countries but still living in a sort of very Americanized way. That was like, seems to be the
1: majority of his, um... Sorry, what was that, the...?
0: That just seems to be like the majority of his upbringing rather than
1: the uh, family plantation. McCain attended whatever naval-based school was available, often to the detriment of his education, as schools were sometimes substandard and the curricula often erratic. After the 1941 attack on Pearl Harbour, his father was absent for long stretches. His formal education was supplemented by the efforts of his mother, who took advantage of the family's many long-distance travels to expose him to historical and cultural sites. He later wrote, She taught me to find so much pleasure in life that misfortune could not rob me the joys of living. That's nice. Yeah. A Republican... She also made sure that he followed current events, although his parents avoided outward partisan affiliations due to his father's military career. Mm. After World War II ended, his father stayed in the Navy, sometimes working political liaison posts. The family settled in Northern Virginia, and McCain attended the educationally stronger St. Stephen's School in Alexandria from 1946 to 49. To his family, McCain had long been quiet, dependable and courteous, but whilst at St. Stephen's he began to develop an unruly and defiant streak. Another two years were then spent following his father to naval stations, although he attended about 20 schools during this time. (sighs) Yeah, not not a good way to grow up.
0: (laughs) No, no, not a good way to grow up. And and it's not something I ever thought about, that, that aside from uprooting these kids, all over all over the world that yeah their education is bound to suffer
1: yeah because even if in theory you know in one year of school you're going to learn a b and c doesn't mean every school is going to learn it in that order and you could be learning b again Mm. and again and again and again and never learn a and c and it's like yeah it's going to have a detrimental effect definitely Mm. he was frequently disciplined in school for fighting and later wrote The repeated farewells to friends rank among the saddest regrets of a childhood constantly disrupted by the demands of my father's career. At each new school, I arrived eager to make, by means of my insolent attitude, new friends to compensate for the loss of others. At each new school, I grew more determined to assert my crude individualism, and at each new school, I became a more unrepentant pain in the neck. In 1951, McCain enrolled at episcopal high school in alexandria an academically superior all-male private boarding school with a rigorous honor code tradition of hazing and spartan living environment most of the children were sons of wealthy southerners from whom mccain got a glimpse of life and career aspirations outside navy culture Mm -hmm. he was given the nicknames punk and mcnasty due to his combative fiery disposition
0: McNasty.
1: Like yep. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a solid nickname. McCain enjoyed and cultivated a tough guy image and also made new friends. McCain earned two varsity letters in wrestling, excelling in lighter weight classes. Mm-hmm. He also played on the junior varsity football team and the tennis teams and participated in student newspaper, yearbook and drama club activities. Hmm, Interesting. A little variety there. Normally it tends to be one way or the other, but he's mixing the sport and non-sporty activities quite well. Yeah. And, and you know, drama and newspaper. Mm-hmm. With what he later termed an undistinguished but acceptable academic record, McCain graduated from high school in 1954. Having done well on its entrance exams, McCain entered the United States Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland in July 1954, following in the footsteps of his father and grandfather.
0: Yeah, I wonder whether, because you said said when he was at the Alexandria Academy, he got a taste of life from Mm -hmm. outside the Navy, but then as soon as he finished school, he went straight into the Navy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was, (laughs) yep, school to Navy, no in-between he had not been ordered to go there by his parents, but later wrote, I remember simply recognising my eventual enrollment at the academy as an immutable fact of life and accepting it without comment. Which, I guess, makes sense if your father and grandfather were in the Navy, it's, and you've grown up in the Navy environment, I I guess it's just, yeah, I'll go into the Navy.
0: Yeah, yeah, it Makes makes it I, I don't know, like, just the way he said an immutable fact of life. Well, I mean, I hate to nitpick, but... You went and signed up for the
1: Navy. (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah, it's totally him. (laughs) Talk about a
0: self-fulfilling prophecy. Oh well, I'm going to have to join the Navy, so I may as well just join the Navy. Well, what?
1: (laughs) Ambivalent about his presence in the Academy, McCain chose not to conform to the Academy's rules and some of its traditions. Each year he was given over 100 demerits, earning him membership in the Century Club. These were for offences such as shoes not being shined, formation faults, rooms in disorder and talking out of place. (laughs) His father came to the academy to reprimand him on his behaviour a number of times.
0: I wonder if his father, you know, because he said my mum and dad didn't didn't say that I had to go into the Navy. I, I wonder if his dad was going, I really don't want him in the Navy. He's going to be such a fucking embarrassment to me if he goes the Navy. <laughs> and he turns around and he goes, join the Navy. It's like, oh, for fuck's sake, son, we said you didn't have to. <laughs> in fact, we
1: begged and pleaded with you not to. He later stated that he hated pleb year. The trial by ordeal and hazing of entering midshipmen that would eventually weed out one quarter of the class. He did not take well to those of higher rank arbitrarily wielding power over him, which seems strange if you're going into a military. But
0: yeah, yeah, it's one of the reasons. I mean, you know, aside from the whole military and and and, and stuff thing, but it's like it's like no, I have I have a problem with authority. If I if if, if you know if there's ever national service or or. Inscription or what, you know, okay, I've probably got an exemption now, but. Yeah,
1: I think you're no. safe. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm, I don't want to sound mean, but if they're calling you up, Han, we're pretty fucked.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was going yeah, to say. Yeah, you'll do. You'll be fine. Yeah, you can push a wheelchair across the battlefield, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but no, just, oh, people shouting at you and telling you what to do all the time? Nah, mate. <laughs> I'm with him on that one, but I made the decision not to go into that environment and then be a dick about it.
1: (laughs) During this time, he competed as a lightweight boxer for three years, where he lacked skills but was fearless and didn't have a reverse gear. (laughs) In his final year, he managed the battalion boxing team to a brigade championship. Possessed of strong intelligence, McCain did well in a few subjects that interested him, such as English literature, history, and government. There was a fixed Bachelor of Science curriculum taken by all midshipmen. McCain's classmates were impressed with his cramming abilities on mathematics, science, and engineering courses, and though his low grades were by inclination and not ability, McCain later acknowledged that those courses were a struggle for him. Mm. So, he did well in the ones he liked just because they the others didn't interest him. He didn't really try, which, fair enough. I yep. think everyone who's ever been to school can, can relate to that one. Yep. I can do it. I just don't want it kind of attitude.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was basically my entire, my entire school. <laughs> you could do so much better if you tried. Yeah, but what would be the point in that?
1: <laughs> Plus, a lot of the arguments they used to use back then, even in our school days, don't exist anymore. It's like, well, you got to learn math cuz you're not gonna carry a calculator around in your pocket when you're older it's like yeah fuck i, I fucking do <laughs> and well, you the lied about that too so you <laughs> probably lied about maths, too his class rank was further lowered by poor grades for conduct and leadership which reflected his sloppy appearance rebellious attitude and poor relations with his company officer despite his low standing he was popular and a leader among his fellow midshipmen <laughs>
0: Oh my god. Was John McCain the funds?
1: <laughs> yes, yes he was.
0: <laughs> he was like, Oh my god, John McCain he's like so cool.
1: Well, the next bit does kind of tie into that because good at attracting women, he was famed for organizing off yard activities with groups who called themselves the Bad Bunch. One classmate said that being on liberty with John McCain was like being in a train wreck. <laughs> Other midshipmen were annoyed by his behaviour and in June 1957 during a training cruise aboard the destroyer USS Hunt found McCain showing good skills at the con and destination stop to Rio de Janeiro led to dreamlike romance with a Brazilian fashion model and ballerina Maria Gracinda that persisted through a Christmas time reunion. So it sounds like he's just organising parties and wooing women in Rio... And is just a bit of a, a rebel. Yeah.
0: I mean I th- I think as well, there were probably like alcohol restrictions on, on like the base or whatever, weren't there? So so he was sort of smuggling people off the base to
1: go and get yeah. laid and drunk, wasn't he? By the side yeah. of things. Essentially. Which good on him at this point. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he sounds like he's alright to hang out with so far. Yeah. In June 1958, McCain graduated from the Naval Academy. He was fifth from the bottom in his class, coming 894th out of
0: 899.
1: Oh! oh, oh. Ah, Skin of his teeth. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: He was commissioned commissioned as an ensign on the 4th of June 1958. He spent two years as a naval aviator in training, first at Naval Air Station Pensacola in Florida through September 1959, and then at Naval Air Station Corpus Christi in Texas, during which time he was promoted to Lieutenant Junior Grade. He earned a reputation as a party man as he drove a Corvette, dated an exotic dancer named Marie the Flame of Florida, spent (laughs) all his free time on the beach or in the bachelor officer's quarters room turned bar and friendly gambling den. (laughs)
0: he's making the best of it yeah he seems quite i mean in a way it seems like quite a shrewd thing because you know like military wages are pretty decent um you don't have to worry about paying rent or or anything like that Mm -hmm. Um, yeah
1: the thing is as well he's going to be forming like relationships here with other people who are going to work their way up in the military and be stationed certain places so that, you know, it's not just going to be, Oh yeah, John McCain, I served with him. I'll do him a favour. Oh, yeah, it's John. I remember when he took me out and got me laid. Yeah. I'll, I'll help him <laughs> out. You know, it's like, you know, he, he's going to have a lot of favours he can call in later yeah. on.
0: And a lot of see- and a lot of blackmail material as well.
1: <laughs> yeah. He began as a subpar flyer and had limited patience for studying aviation manuals and spent study time reading history books instead.
0: Oh, that's not really something that you can skimp on.
1: <laughs> it's all right, I'll pick it, he'll pick it up later. He'll pick it up later.
0: <laughs> wow. What's this one do again? Don't touch that one!
1: <laughs> During a March 1960 practice run in Texas, he lost track of his altitude and speed, and his single-seat, single-engine, piston-driven AD6 Sky Raider crashed into Corpus Christi Bay and sank to the bottom. What? Although momentarily knocked unconscious by the impact, he squeezed out of the cockpit and swam 10 feet to the surface, escaping without major injuries. Holy fuck, he was lucky. He graduated from flight school two months later.
0: And he, sorry, they still let him graduate from flight (laughs) school.
1: Two months after crashing into the bay.
0: After crashing into the bay. (laughs) And his excuse for crashing into the bay was, I lost track of my speed. <laughs> what are you doing? What, how do you daydream whilst you are piloting a
1: fucking plane? I, I know this is like 10 to 15 years after World War Two, so they need to increase their numbers after all those losses, but they can't be this desperate.
0: Well, you would think that crashing, because planes aren't cheap. You would think no. that like right. A plane and it not being mechanical failure or not being anything other than oh I decided to take a book to read whilst I was flying and then and then I noticed <laughs> that the sea was in the way and then I passed out through through acceleration and then I came to and luckily I came to with enough wherewithal and time to get out of get out of the cockpit and be able to still work out where the top of the sea was I mean there are so many ways he could have died right then
1: <laughs> I I wonder if his father maybe pulled some strings behind the scene for that one.
0: Wow. Well, but even if you were his father, surely he would be like, mm, maybe I don't want my son up in a plane. He nearly killed himself and there's nothing trying to kill him right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think, I think that flying is a lot harder when you're being shot at. I assume. <laughs> so if he's not even good at doing it when he's not being shot at. Okay. So they let
1: him graduate. <laughs> Starting in November 1960, McCain flew Sky Raiders with the VA-65 World Famous Fighting Tigers squadron on the aircraft carrier USS Intrepid and USS Enterprise. Was there actually a USS Enterprise? Yes, there was a USS Enterprise.
0: I did not know that.
1: No? Okay. Yeah, there have been a few ships named Enterprise and one of them was a uh, aircraft carrier.
0: I always thought it was a bit of a weird name. In Star Trek, but it makes more sense now.
1: Yeah, it's kind of a, a a naval tradition. Yeah. The carriers were based at Naval Station Norfolk and cruised in the Caribbean and on several deployments to the Mediterranean. Thankfully, his aviation skills improved, but around December 1961, he collided with power lines while recklessly flying too low over southern Spain.
0: Oh my, right, so that's, oh, what? <laughs>
1: The area suffered a power outage, but he was able to take his plane back to the Intrepid. Oh, <laughs> so he just caused a blackout. So we didn't crash land for the
0: second time. <laughs> he just fucks the Spanish city because he was dicking about.
1: Yeah, essentially,
0: he was dicking about in what is probably a multi-million-dollar piece of equipment
1: mm-hmm.
0: that could easily kill him. Yep. Okay. <laughs>
1: Six months later in June nineteen sixty two he was made lieutenant.
0: Oh my god! Oh, oh, oh. This is the
1: oh wow. He was on alert duty on the Enterprise when it helped enforce the naval quarantine of Cuba during the October nineteen sixty-two Cuban Missile Crisis. In November nineteen sixty-three, he was rotated back to shore duty serving nine months on the staff at the Naval Air Basic Training Command at Pensacola. In September 1964, he became a flight instructor with the VT-7 training squadron.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What?
1: (laughs) Look, if someone's going to train you how to fly, it's the guy who's knocked out power in Spain and crashed a ship into the ocean. Surely he's the guy, yeah?
0: No, that's that's the opposite. (laughs) Of who I want. Who made that decision?
1: (laughs) An idiot. Yeah. During his 1964 stint at Pensacola, McCain began a relationship with Carol Shep, a successful swimwear and runway model originally from Philadelphia. They had known each other at the Naval Academy, and she had married and then divorced one of his classmates. McCain told her that he wanted to do something important with his life, so he would be recorded in history. On July 3rd, 1965, McCain married her in Philadelphia. She already had two children, Douglas and Andrew, and he adopted them both in 1966. Later that same year, they had their first daughter together, named Sydney. In the summer of 1965, McCain appeared as a contestant on the television quiz show Jeopardy!
0: Oh, I can just imagine his anecdote being, do you want to hear about some real Jeopardy? <laughs> so there I am, in my plane, reading my history book, in Spain.
1: <laughs> McCain won the first day, but lost on the second. He later oh, no. said, final Jeopardy made the difference, where the clue was, Kathy loves him, but she married Edgar Linton instead. McCain knew the novel in question, writing down, what is Wuthering Heights? But the clue was looking for a specific character, who is Heathcliff. Ah. So they screwed him, Han, they screwed him.
0: They did. I mean <laughs> Yeah. Mainstream media,
1: left wing, left wing bias. In November nineteen sixty-five, he had his third accident when an apparent what? engine what? failure in his T two Buckeye trainer jet over the eastern shore of Virginia led to his ejecting safely before his plane crashed.
0: I like the use of the word apparent
1: engine failure
0: in (laughs) that because that's him saying, well, the last time I looked like a right dick for just saying I I lost track (laughs) of my speed and and I couldn't see the power lines. So this time it's definitely not going to be my fault. There was an engine failure. I didn't just think it would be funny to turn my plane off and try and turn it back on again whilst I was flying.
1: But still, that's... (laughs) That's three planes in six years. So he's averaging yeah. a plane every two years.
0: <laughs> he's averaging a plane every two years. That, that, that's, that's quite a frightening rate just for one person. So what did they do? Did they promote him for
1: this? <laughs> uh, no. Um, after that, they slated him for combat duty for the upcoming Vietnam War.
0: Right. I mean, I mean, you know, I guess there is a hope that if he crash lands, he might wipe out some Viet Cong when he
1: crashes. Fingers crossed, I think I don't know. <laughs> he reported to the VA forty four replacement air group squadron at Naval Air Station Cecil Field in Florida for training on the A4 Skyhawk, a single seat jet attack aircraft. There he was seen as a good pilot, albeit one who tended to push the envelope in flying. <laughs> Promoted to Lieutenant Commander in January 1967, McCain joined the aircraft carrier USS Forrestal and by May 1967 began flying Skyhawks with the VA-46 Klansman Squadron. Sorry, what? Yeah, I just had to re-look at that. No, it is Klansman, spelt with a C, but the Klansman Squadron. Okay,
0: at least it's spelt with a C. I guess it might be a specific thing rather than a...
1: And this is 67. The KKK are around changed the name jesus fuck's sake Mm. at least he can't be blamed for that name so no that's true on july 25th 1967 the forestall reached yankee station in the gulf of tonkin and joined operation rolling thunder the 1965 to 68 air interdiction and strategic bombing campaign against north vietnam
0: americans and then and their names
1: yeah rolling thunder okay The Alpha Strikes, flown from Forrestal, were against specific pre-selected targets such as Arms Depot, factories and bridges. They were considered dangerous due to the strength of the North Vietnamese air defences, which used Soviet-designed and supplied surface-to-air missile anti-aircraft artillery and MiG jet interceptors.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a fair amount of, of anti-aircraft
1: capability. Yeah, I wouldn't want to go up against that. Ooh. McCain's first five attack missions over North Vietnam went without incident. And while still unconcerned with major Navy regulations, McCain had garnered the reputation of a serious aviator. So I guess war has straightened him out a bit, at least. Mm.
0: Maybe war has made him realise that, that, you know, you do sort of like
1: need to not fuck about with being shot <laughs> <Yeah. stopped them>. at. <laughs> yeah. yeah, don't dick around anymore. They've got guns! I've got to say this seriously! <laughs> McCain and his fellow pilots were frustrated by the micromanagement of Rolling Thunder from Washington, and he later wrote, The target list was so restricted that we had to go back and hit the same targets over and over again. Most of our pilots flying the missions believed that our targets were virtually worthless. In all candor, we thought our civilian commanders were complete idiots who didn't have the least notion of what it took to win the war.
0: Well, I mean, that was, you know, considering what
1: happened, that's not a bad yeah, he was probably fairly right about that. Yeah,
0: especially if they're if they're sending out planes on like like so you're putting your pilot's lives in danger to go and destroy something that's already destroyed.
1: Mm-hmm. That that
0: seems very pointless.
1: McCain was almost killed aboard the Forestal on July twenty ninth, nineteen sixty seven, while the Air Wing was preparing to launch attacks. A Zuni rocket from an F four Phantom. Accidentally fired across the carrier deck. It's not clear exactly what happened, but the rocket was reported to have struck either McCain's Skyhawk or one near it. The impact ruptured the Skyhawk's fuel tank, which ignited the fuel and knocked two bombers loose. McCain later said, I thought my aircraft exploded. There were flames everywhere. He escaped from his jet by climbing out of the cockpit, working himself to the nose of the jet, and jumping off its refuelling probe onto the burning deck.
0: Holy shit!
1: Yeah. His flight suit caught on fire as he rolled through the flames, but he was able to put it out. He went to help another pilot trying to escape the fire when the first bomb exploded. McCain Ooh. was thrown backwards ten feet and suffered minor wounds when struck in the legs and chest by fragments. Shit. McCain helped crewmen throw unexploded bombs overboard off the hangar deck elevator, then went to the Forrestal's ready room and, with other pilots, watched the ensuing fire and firefighting efforts on the room's closed-circuit television. Mm. The fire killed 134 sailors. Holy fuck! It injured scores of others and destroyed at least 20 aircraft and took 24 hours to bring under control.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, boats are just made of, you know, especially... Military Aircraft carriers There is so much Flammable shit Yeah Not to mention all the fucking, I mean You know Not to mention all the fuel Oh my Fucking hell Yeah He was So fucking lucky Again Yeah So lucky
1: Like considering the like where is it was either His plane Or like One next to him That got hit one The fact that he got it. Out yeah. of that alive Yeah it, That's insane and it, and it killed 134 others So Yeah yeah, I, I have no idea how he survived that.
0: How, he, survived, how he, he got out of it in the first place, then went back to help somebody else, got injured, then instead of going to seek medical attention, he then
1: went to continue helping. Mm-hmm. In Saigon, a day after the fire, McCain praised the heroism of enlisted men who gave their lives trying to save the pilots on deck, and told a New York Times reporter, It's a difficult thing to say, but now I've seen what the bombs and the napalm did to the people on our ship. I'm not sure that I want to drop any more of that stuff on North Vietnam. Wow. He added, I always wanted to be in the Navy. I was born into it and I never really considered another profession, but I always had trouble with regimentation. So it sounds like he's really considering leaving the military at this point.
0: Yeah, that really does sound like he's been really properly shaken up and then had first-hand experience of what the stuff that he's dropping does to actual human beings. Yeah. Yeah like really really questioning things how old is he at
1: this point he's about um in his 30s probably yeah he's 31 so still still a fairly young man mm-hmm. as the Forrestal headed to port for repairs mccain volunteered to join the undermanned va 163 saint squadron on board the uss oriskne after taking some leave in Europe and back home in Orange Park, Florida, McCain joined the Orisne on September thirtieth nineteen sixty seven for a tour he expected would finish early the next summer. He volunteered to fly the squadron's most dangerous missions straight away. Of course he did yeah. well so despite his misgivings he's he's not ready to to leave yet
0: yeah, but you I, I mean there might be i mean during wartime, you can't just quit
1: yeah that's a good point plus if, if both his father and grandfather are four-star admirals if you try and quit during the war yeah yeah, yeah it probably yeah i was thinking you know oh he said he wanted he was wasn't happy with the war but then didn't leave i suppose yeah it, you, you can't no you know, they you had,
0: probably didn't have, have any have any choice about
1: because yeah, they had the draft and everything as well didn't they so yeah. i dare say you couldn't just up and leave yeah during October 1967, the pilots operated in constant twelve hours on, twelve hours off shifts. McCain would be awarded the would be awarded a Navy Commendation Medal for leading his air section through heavy enemy fire during an October 18th raid on the Lactri Shipping Yard in Haiphong. Hef, oh, I think. Are you asking for my permission? Well, no, because <laughs> it's what is it? p-h in the middle so it's either haipong or haifong how's it how's it how's it spelled h-a-i p-h-o-n-g haifong i i'm thinking yeah
0: i think it's haifong
1: yeah i i don't want to well i say i don't want to get any pronunciations wrong i do every episode but i try not to and i don't want to insult anyone on october 25th mccain successfully attacked the fuk yen airbase north of hanoi through a barrage of anti-aircraft artillery and surface-to-air missile fire and was credited with destroying one aircraft on the ground and damaging two. The raid would garner him the air medal. Air defences around Hanoi were at this point the strongest they would be during the entire war. So yeah, He got the medal more for
0: getting back safely than for what he destroyed because they didn't, didn't seem mm-hmm. like they destroyed all that much.
1: No, it, it did sound like it was for getting back from the mission mm-hmm. or anything else. On October 26th, just a day later, McCain was flying his 23rd mission, part of a 20-plane strike force against the Yen Fu thermal power plant in central Hanoi, that had previously almost always been off-limits to US air raids due to the possibility of collateral damage. Mm -hmm. Arriving just before noon, McCain dove from 9,000 to 4,000 feet on his approach, as he neared the target, warning systems in his Skyhawk alerted him that he was being targeted by enemy fire control radar. He did not break off the bombing run and held in his dive until he released his bombs at about 3.5 thousand feet. As he started to pull up, the Skyhawk's wing was blown off by a Soviet made SA2 anti aircraft missile. His plane went into a vertical sorry went into a vertical inverted spin. Mm. He bailed out upside down at high speed. Oh, fucking hell. The force of the ejection fractured his right arm in three places, his left arm and his right leg at the knee, as well as knocking him unconscious. He parachuted down into Bach Lake in Hanoi and nearly drowned, the weight of his equipment pulling him down. As he regained consciousness, he tried to free himself but could not use his arms.
0: No, I was going to say, he's broken both his arms yeah. and one of his legs.
1: Eventually, he was able to free himself and inflate his life vest by using his teeth. <sighs> Several Vietnamese pulled him ashore and a mob gathered around him. They spat on him, kicked him and stripped him of his clothes. His left shoulder was crushed with the butt of a rifle and he was bayoneted in his left foot and left groin area. He was then transported to Hanoi's Hao Low prison, Nicknamed the Hanoi Hilton by American POWs, he reached Lao in bad physical sorry, condition. Sorry,
0: sorry. The only reason, sorry, the reason that I haven't said anything is okay. because I was just trying to forget everything that happened <laughs> in, the last, in the last minute or so.
1: Yeah, yeah, things have have gone bad for him.
0: Yeah, it's a it uh, it it's one of those things that isn't often talked about is injuries caused from from ejection.
1: Oh yeah, um, ejection can fuck you up.
0: Yeah, I mean, even even now. I think you're only allowed to eject twice, and then you lose your flight status mm. because it sucks you because it like it can literally fuse your spine.
1: Yeah, it's like you you eject when it is the last course of action because yeah. it can still kill you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I and mean, we all we know what happened to the goose. Mm. So yeah, he he had all those injuries from ejecting, nearly drowned, and and now he's been. Captured. Captured and, and beaten and stabbed by a crowd of Vietnamese who found him, so yeah, he's he's seriously fucked up at this point. Mm-hmm. At Hao Lao, his captors refused to give him medical care unless he gave them military information. They beat and interrogated him, but he only offered his rank, name, serial number, and date of birth the only information he was required to provide under the Geneva Convention and permitted to give under the U.S. Code of Conduct.
0: Sorry, Sorry. the U.S. Military Code of Conduct mm-hmm. states, so basically it states that if you give information, even under to- torture, Yeah,
1: you're not allowed to.
0: that you've broken the Code of yeah. Conduct.
1: You can only give your name, date of birth, rank and serial number. Yeah. Basically, the information they'd get from your dog tags, really. Yes, I mean, talk about yeah. Anyway, so carry on. So <laughs> okay. Thinking that he was near death, McCain said he would give them more information if taken to the hospital, hoping that he could then that he could then put his interrogators off once he was treated. A prison doctor was called and said it was too late and he was about to die anyway. <sighs> Only when the North Vietnamese discovered that his father was a high-ranking admiral did they give him any medical care?: Oh, snap! And they nicknamed him "The Crown Prince.":
0: Yeah, you see, you'd think that would be a
1: nice nickname, but no, I'm pretty no. sure
0: that, that in that instance it probably
1: wasn't. Two days after his plane went down, the event and his status as a POW made the front pages of the New York Times and Washington Post. Interrogation and beatings resumed in hospital, and McCain gave the North Vietnamese his ship's names, squadron name, and the attack's intended target. This information, along with personal details of McCain's life and purported statements by McCain about the war's progress, would appear over the next two weeks in the North Vietnamese official newspaper. Disclosing the military information was in violation of the Code of Conduct, which McCain later wrote he regretted, although he said he saw the information as being of no practical use to the North Vietnamese. Further coerced to give future targets, he named cities that had already been bombed, and responding to demands for the names of his squadron members, he supplied instead the names of the Green Bay Packers offensive line. (laughs) He spent the next six weeks in hospital, receiving marginal care. A prolonged attempt to set the fractures of his right arm done without anaesthetic, were unsuccessful. He received oh, no, because... mm. Sorry.
0: I was just I was just gonna say, you know, if you've left a break for long enough, then setting it back to any sort of normality is very, very difficult. Yeah.
1: He received an operation on his broken leg, but had no treatment for his broken left arm. Oh. He was temporarily taken to a clean room and interviewed by French journalist, Francois Chalet, whose report was carried on the French television programme Panorama in January 1968, and later on the US on the CBS Evening News. This is, you may have actually seen this, this is a video that's gone round quite a bit online since he passed. Um, It's basically him in his hospital bed being interviewed. So that that is out there that people can go and find. Yeah,
0: I'll I'll look for it after, after we've done
1: In early December 1967, McCain was sent to a prisoner of war camp on the outskirts of Hanoi, nicknamed The Plantation.
0: Why was was it nicknamed The Plantation?
1: I do not know.
0: Was it nicknamed The Plantation by the Americans?
1: Possibly. I guess so, because I think they named the other place the Hanoi Hilton, didn't they? Yeah. So it was probably American nickname. Great. He was placed into a cell with fellow officers George Day and Norris Overly, who were both Air Force pilots. They said they did not expect McCain to live. However, Overly and Day nursed McCain and kept him alive. And Day later recalled that McCain had a fantastic will to live.
0: Well, you would have to.
1: You've kind of got no other choice at this point.
0: Yeah, you you would have to have a fantastic will to live. Either that or he just thought that he, you know, that he, he cheated death. So many times by now. I mean, he's only 13. He's cheated death, like, what, three or four
1: times? Yeah. So at that point, you've got to think that you're maybe special in some way. In March 1968, McCain was put into solitary confinement, where he would remain for two years. Oof. Yeah. In mid-June, Major Bay, commander of the North Vietnamese prison camp system, offered McCain a chance to return home. The North Vietnamese wanted to score a worldwide propaganda coup by appearing merciful, yet also wanted to show other POWs that members of the elite, such as McCain, were willing to be treated preferentially. (laughs) McCain turned the offer down. Mm -hmm. This was due to the POW's first-in-first-out interpretation of the US Code of Conduct. He said he would only accept the offer if every man captured before him was released as well. It's reported that Bay and his assistants were enraged by his response and told McCain that things would get worse for him. Well, of course. In late August 1968, a programme of vigorous torture methods began. They used rope bindings to put him in prolonged painful positions and severely beat him every two hours, all while he was suffering from dysentery. Mm. His right leg was re-injured, his ribs were cracked... Some teeth were broken at the gum line, and his left arm was refractured. It was during this period that he attempted suicide, but was stopped by his guards. After four days, McCain signed and taped an anti American propaganda confession that said, in part, I am a black criminal, and I have performed the deeds of an air pirate. I almost died, and the Vietnamese people saved my life, thanks to the doctors. McCain said that he was haunted then and since with the belief that he had dishonoured his country, family, comrades and himself with his statement, but later wrote, I had learned what we all learn over here. Every man has his breaking point, and I had Mm. reached mine. Two weeks later, his captors tried to force him to sign a second statement, but he refused. He sometimes received two or three beatings a week because of his continued resistance. The sustained mistreatment went on for over a year. His refusal to cooperate, laced with loud obscenities directed towards his guards, were often heard by other POWs. On Christmas Eve 1968, a church service for the POWs was staged for photographers and film cameras. (sighs) McCain defied North Vietnamese instruction to be quiet, speaking out details of his treatment when shouting, fuck you, you son of a bitch, and giving the finger whenever a camera was pointed at him. Which, I I gotta be honest, that's a really fucking ballsy thing to do, because you know they're going to fuck you up for that. Mm. McCain refused to meet with various anti-Vietnam War peace groups coming to Hanoi, not wanting to give either them or North Vietnam a propaganda victory based on his connection with his father. Mm. Because of his injuries he earned the nickname Crip with other POWs.
0: Oh.
1: You're right. Yeah. This is taking a turn, I know, I'm sorry. No, it's alright. No. I mean I, I you know See, I I knew he was a POW. It's one of the few things I knew about him, but I didn't know how bad it got for him.
0: No, I knew he was a POW. I didn't I didn't you know, because yeah, there 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 are ways to to, to sort of make your life as a POW better and there are ways to make your life as a POW immeasurably worse mm. and he has gone the route of being, being a support to his other POWs mm. um, rather than stabbing them in the back to make his life
1: easier. On the 6th of June 1969 a United Press International report described a Radio Hanoi broadcast made on June 2nd that denied any mistreatment of POWs. The transmission, one of a series of North Vietnamese propaganda broadcasts on the subject of prisoners, used excerpts from McCain's spoken forced confession a year before, including statements such as, I have bombed the cities, towns and villages and caused injuries and even death for the people of North Vietnam. After I was captured, I was taken to a hospital in Hanoi, where I received very good medical treatment. I was given an operation on my leg which enabled me to walk again and a cast on my right arm which was badly broken in three places. The doctors are very good, and they knew a great deal about medicine. Yeah, not not faked at all.
0: No, but surely when the cameras went to the POW camp, they would have seen
1: what sort of state he was in. They would have seen what they were allowed to see. You know, it, it would have been so staged.
0: No, I know, but, but but if the cameras were, if he was able to, to, to finger... To you know, give the finger to the to the cameras and mm. to into shoot on camera. Then then they've got to be close enough to see that he's he's got the nickname Crip. Yeah. So he's going to be limping or walking with a cane or his his left arm is going to be fucked. You know, they would have seen all that
1: surely. But they they can explain probably explain that way with, yeah, he was given an operation that let him walk. He's still going to walk with a limp, but at least he's walking now. And yeah. you know, well. He said we gave him a cast on his right arm. We he didn't mention his left. You know we had to pick one arm. We went for the one that was worse to try and make him better the best we could. You know they can, they're gonna have things ready to spin in a way that you know helps their their siding, bolsters their lies. Yeah. Starting in late 1969, treatment of McCain and other POWs suddenly improved. North Vietnamese leader Ho Chi Minh had died the previous month, possibly causing a change in policy towards POWs. Also, a badly beaten and weakened POW had been released that summer, disclosed to the world's press the conditions to which they were being subjected, and the National League of Families of American Prisoners and Missing in Southeast Asia, which included McCain's brother Joe, heightened awareness of the POWs' plight. In December 1969, McCain was transferred back to How Lyle, Hanoi Hilton, and his solitary confinement ended in March 1970. When the prisoners talked about what they wanted to do once they got out, McCain said he wanted to become president. <laughs> McCain and other prisoners were moved around to different camps at times, but conditions over the next several years were generally more tolerable than they had been before. Back at the Hanoi Hilton, from November 1971 onwards, McCain and other POWs cheered the resumed bombing of the North starting in April 1972, whose targets included the Hanoi area and whose daily orders were issued by Jack McCain, who knew his son was in the vicinity. The Paris...
0: Sorry? Yeah? So, Jack McCain... Are you... Sorry, are they saying that Jack McCain was bombing indiscriminately even though he could have... No, he collateral damaged his son or that jack mccain was trying to bomb hanoi so that his son would be released quicker
1: i think it was a case of from what i've seen it's a case of they had targets in that area they needed to to bomb but it was always a possibility that his son would be in some of these places because they're being moved around Mm. but he still went ahead with it knowing that to win the war it could cost him his son right that that's what i gathered from the bits i saw Hmm. on january 27 1973 the paris peace accords were signed ending direct u.s involvement in the war but the operation homecoming agreements for the 591 american pows took much longer mccain was finally released from captivity on march 14 1973 being taken by bus to guy Lam airport then transferred to U.S. custody where he was flown back to Clark Airfield Base in the Philippines.
0: When when was he finally released?
1: 1973, March right. 14th. Okay. Although McCain was held as a prisoner of war in North Vietnam for five and a half years, nearly five of them after his refusal to accept the out-of-sequence repatriation offer. Sorry, altogether he spent, not although. So yeah, he w- he was a prisoner for yeah. five and a half years. And he could have got out after six months. Mm. His wartime injuries left him permanently incapable of raising either arm more than eighty degrees. For his actions as a POW, McCain was awarded the Silver Star Medal, the Legion of Merit, three Bronze Star Medals, another instance of the Navy Commendation Medal, and the Purple Heart. Quite a lot of medals. Yeah, yeah. It's like Purple Heart was was, I think, kind of guaranteed. I've learned from my research is basically if you get injured during a war you get the purple heart so yeah but the rest of them yeah that's a lot of medals upon his return to the united states a few days later mccain was reunited with his wife carol and his family she had suffered her own crippling near-death ordeal during his captivity due to an automobile accident in december 1969 that left her hospitalized for six months and facing 23 operations and ongoing physical therapy
0: Oh, shit. And of course, he wouldn't know anything about that, would he?
1: Yep. By the time McCain saw her, she was four inches shorter, walked on crutches. And this is a quote I took from something here. Substantially heavier. I don't know why they made a point of saying that, but I well, guess I guess they're reinforcing they. the whole, you know, she's changed since he last saw her.
0: Well, yeah. And and, and what, what, what would America be if they didn't comment on a woman's appearance? Yeah.
1: But then he's changed as well. Like, one of the things I realised I forgot to include in this, um, during his time as a POW, his hair went white.
0: I was going to say, did his hair go white?
1: Yeah. So he's come back injured, can't raise his arm more than 80 degrees, and with white hair. So neither one of them is the person they last saw at this point. As a returned POW, McCain became a celebrity. The New York Times ran a story and front page photo of him getting off the plane at Clark Air Base in the Philippines. He offered a 13-page cover story describing his ordeal and his support for the Nixon administration's handling of the war in the US News and World Report. He also participated in parades in Orange Park and elsewhere and made personal appearances before groups where he showed strong speaking skills and he was given the key to the city of Jacksonville in Florida. The McCains became frequent guests of honour at dinners hosted by the Governor of California, Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan! McCain had admired Ronald Reagan while in captivity and afterwards, believing him a man who saw honour in Vietnam service and a potential leader who would not lead the nation into a war it was unwilling to win. McCain underwent three operations and other treatment for his injuries, spending three months at the Navy Regional Medical Centre in Jacksonville. Psychological tests were also given to all returning POWs, but showed that McCain had adjusted exceptionally well to repatriation and had an ambitious, striving, successful pattern of adjustment. McCain told examiners that he withstood his ordeal by having faith in country, United States Navy, family and God. It is claimed that McCain did not experience flashbacks or nightmares of his Vietnam experience, although due to the association with prison guards, the sound of keys rattling would cause him to tense up.
0: So it does. It does seem like I know that it wasn't that wasn't a diagnosis back then, but it seems mm. like he didn't actually have
1: PTSD. Yeah, and I can't remember exactly where and how it does come up a lot later on, further in his life, mm. and it, it is reiterated that yeah, he he kind of came through five and a half years of torture as a POW without PTSD, which I find I find astonishing. Yeah. Especially as he, he wasn't just tortured as a standard POW. They they saw him as a valuable person. They wanted to break him because of his father. So they gave him a, a lot of attention. And, yes. you know, to come out of that well-adjusted, that's incredible. Yeah. McCain was promoted to commander effective of July 1973 and attended the National War College in Fort McNair in Washington.
0: So by the time he got out, of Vietnam and was repatriated And went through all his treatment and stuff He at that point decided that he wanted to stay in the military
1: mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And what happened to all that I don't want to bomb people because they fuck them up Or perhaps I don't want my foreign policy to make me To make me seem like such an animal To other human beings that they fuck me up for five years
1: Um, I guess Five years in a prison camp Will change some of those views I don't know, it's a, yeah. it's a complex Position to be in Oh yeah, I'm not denying that during this time, he engaged in nine months of painful physiotherapy, especially to get his knees to bend again. McCain recuperated just enough to pass his flight physical and to have his flight status reinstated. Why? God knows. He wants to fly again.
0: But, I mean, if you can't raise your I mean, I can't. Um...
1: Yeah, it, it is baffling. In August 1974, he was assigned to the replacement air group, the VA-174 Hellraisers. He became its executive officer in 1975, and on July 1st, 1976, he was made their commanding officer. As the commanding officer, he relied upon a relatively unorthodox leadership style based upon the force of his personality. He removed personnel he thought ineffective and sought to improve morale and productivity, by establishing an informal rapport with enlisted men, which, based on what we heard in his childhood, it doesn't surprise me that's his approach to leadership. No, sorry, I just took a bite or something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no, not at all. The fact that you know, I mean, the whole the whole style of military authoritarianism, where you're consistently denigrating people, is is the worst type of leadership style, anyway. Yeah. So it's
1: understandable that he doesn't want to emulate that he was forceful in demanding that respect be given to the female officers just beginning to arrive into the unit. McCain's leadership abilities were credited with improving the unit's aircraft readiness for the first time. All 50 of its aircraft were able to fly. Wow. Although some operational metrics declined during this period, the pilot's safety improved to the point of having zero accidents. Learn by example. yes, yeah. <laughs> I i th- I think that's kind of where he's probably coming from. He later said that that being the commanding officer of the v a one seventy four was the most rewarding assignment of his naval career during this time when in Jacksonville, the McCain's marriage began to falter. McCain had extramarital affairs and was seen with other women in social settings and developed a reputation among his colleagues for womanizing. It seemed like he was pretty much always like that though, yeah, he later said. My marriage's collapse was attributed to my own selfishness and immaturity more than it was to Vietnam, and I cannot escape blame by pointing a finger at the war. The blame was entirely mine. His wife Carol later stated that the failure was not due to her accident or Vietnam, and that I attribute the breakup of our marriage more to John turning 40 and wanting to be 25 again than I do to anything else. (laughs) I think if he's always been like that, he wants to recapture his youth and he's been in prison for five years.
0: Mm-hmm. It,
1: yeah, kind of.
0: Also, I'm not being funny, but, you know, the papers did say that she she put on weight. So, you know, <laughs> oh. of yeah. course he's not going to find
1: uh,
0: Listeners, that was a joke. <laughs> in
1: 1976, McCain briefly thought of running for the US House Representatives for Florida. He had the support of some local figures in Jacksonville, but was convinced by other Republican party leaders that he did not have su- sufficient political experience, funding, or popular support to defeat longtime Democrat incumbent Charles E. Bennett. Instead, he worked so hard for Ronald Reagan's 1976 Republican primary campaign that his base commander reprimanded him for being too politically active.
0: It happens a lot, you know, that if there is an entrenched seat, the um, the other party won't fund mm. the campaign because they just see it as a waste of money. If he'd been in a different place, then he would have had favourable support from the RSC.
1: As his tenure with VA-174 was ending, McCain was assigned to a low-profile desk job within the Naval Air System Command. Chief of Naval Operations Admiral James Holloway thought this assignment a waste of McCain's social talents, and instead, in July 1977, McCain was appointed to the Senate Liaison Office with the Navy's Office of Legislative Affairs. So did so? was he sort of shunted aside because
0: his... Oh, sorry, I can't remember who it was who said that he was too politically involved. And yeah, did, did, it, yeah. his base man has kind 25. of like,
1: given him a, a low-profile desk job to mm. kind of put him to the side.
0: But then someone else went, hey, why don't you go in to be, you know... Yeah, well, the Someone
1: political. turned around and was like Well that's not the right position for him You know recognised his talents And moved him again mm-hmm. He later said that the liaison job Represented his real entry Into the world of politics And the beginning of his second season Of his second career as a public servant
0: I hate the fact that politicians Call themselves public servants I've. It's like
1: No they're not <laughs>
0: Yeah, Be a proper fucking public servant And get paid a public servant's wage
1: Yeah <clears throat> His lively personality and knowledge of military matters made his posts in the Russell Senate Office Building a popular gathering spot for senators and staff. McCain was influenced by senators of both parties and formed an especially strong bond with John Tower of Texas, the ranking member of the Senate Armed Service Committee. During 1978 and 79, he played a key behind-the-scenes role in gaining congressional funding for a new supercarrier against the wishes of the Carter administration and Navy Secretary W. Graham Clayton Jr.
0: Sorry, sorry. sorry, So he he managed to get funding passed for a supercarrier that the person who was in command of the Navy didn't feel was warranted.
1: Yeah, and the presidency as well.
0: Yeah, Yeah.
1: So... That's some fancy finagling to do that.
0: (laughs) It's more just like, I don't know, I see it as less fancy finagling and more just being bullish about the fucking military industrial
1: complex, really. In August 79, McCain was promoted to naval captain and became director of the Senate Liaison Office. During his time there, the Senate Liaison Office enjoyed one of its few periods of high influence. In April 79, while attending a military reception for senators in Hawaii, McCain met Cindy Lou Hensley, 18 years his junior, who was a teacher from Phoenix, Arizona. They began dating, traveling between Arizona and Washington to see each other, and John McCain urged his wife Carol to accept a divorce. The McCains stopped cohabiting in January 1980, and John McCain filed for divorce in February, which Carol accepted at the time.
0: So he was already dating when he was—he was still living with his wife. Yeah, classy, classy man, classy man. So he started dating somebody eighteen years his junior whilst he's still living with his wife. Yep, classy.
1: <clears throat> After Carol did not respond to court summons, the uncontested divorce became official in F- Fort Walton Beach, in Florida, on the second of April, nineteen eighty. McCain gave Carol a settlement that included full custody of their children, alimony child support, including college tuition, houses in Virginia and Florida, and lifelong financial support for her ongoing medical treatments.
0: Okay, yeah, well, that was fairly honourable.
1: Yeah, so, you know, it sounded like, yeah, he he was he started dating someone else while married to her, but it sounds like at that point, their marriage was kind of over anyway, and they parted on fairly good terms. Mm-hmm. So... It's not the worst outcome from someone dates someone else whilst married, I've seen. No. On May 17th, 1980, McCain and Hensley married in Phoenix. McCain's children were upset with him and did not attend the wedding. But after several years, they reconciled with both him and Cindy.
0: Well, it's a bit, I mean, you know, the one thing that did sort of stand out about that was that he gave full custody. so So he didn't actually have any desire to maintain being a parent to his kids, did he? no he financially supported them but he had no desire to remain
1: in their lives whether or not that's down to you know you could argue that he spent including like the time he was serving in vietnam before he was captured he probably spent at least minimum six years away from his kids during their young you know it's it's gonna cause some kind of distance between Mm. them and stuff so it's going to be difficult but still he basically just gave up all parental responsibilities to his kids yeah it's kind of a dick move
0: mm-hmm. i have a feeling that that us saying kind of a dick move is gonna become a recurring oh. Race oh yeah series of series of episodes
1: yeah as as the episodes go well episode one you know so far it's like he's not the best but wow impressive from episode two onwards, it's, yeah, kind of a dick move will, will definitely be the theme.
0: Yeah, except for those moments that are totally a dick move, not just kind of a dick
1: move. Yeah. Around the end of 1918, McCain decided to retire from the Navy. He had not been given a major sea command and his physical condition had deteriorated, causing him to fail the flight physical. McCain thought that he might make Rear Admiral, but probably not Vice Admiral, and never become a four-star Admiral as his grandfather and father had. Mm. He later wrote that he did not anguish over his decision, although it pained his mother, who thought congressional careers paled in comparison to top naval ones. He was excited by the idea of becoming a member of Congress, and was soon recruiting a campaign manager for a planned run at the House seat for Arizona. He retired with an effective date of April first, nineteen eighty-one, the rank of captain, and a disability pension due to his wartime injuries.
0: I don't know. I don't. I mean, I could be talking out turn here because I don't actually know what the uh, what the rules are in the UK. Although it is a much smaller country, but but you know, he's from Jacksonville. He's lived in Jacksonville, but he wants to run for the senate in arizona which is obviously a seat that was available for him to run to Mm -hmm. and i think that you have to live there for like six months or something in order to be able to to run for government for government and it's not like it's like you have absolutely no connection to this place you are just you you targeted a place that you thought you could win in. yeah that's really not being a public servant no anyway
1: For his service in the Senate Liaison Office, he was awarded a Gold Star in lieu of a second award of the Legion of Merit. On March 22nd, 1981, his father, Jack McCain, died. On March 27th, McCain attended his father's funeral at Arlington National Cemetery, wearing his uniform for the last time, before signing his discharge papers, and later that day, flew to Phoenix with his wife, Cindy, to begin his new life. And that brings an end to the military coup portion of john mccain's life and the end of this first episode okay so how how are you feeling at the minute about john mccain and everything
0: um i'm trying not to be colored by his by his subsequent political career which i do Mm -hmm. know a bit more about um and also you know the fact that he was a republican is always going to have a big question mark over over (laughs) over overhead um, I don't know. He did he he did some honourable things, he did some mm-hmm. not so honorable things. I mean, he was he was captured and he survived torture, but if he had aborted his bombing run when when the radar on the plane told him he was being targeted, that might never have happened.
1: Yeah. Um
0: yeah, I mean, I have I, I, I struggle with military anyway, because mm. I don't think it should be a glorified career for anybody um i do like um gareth gareth reynolds take on it which is like you know to say that i don't support my military overseas is to to say i don't support military overseas when all i'm basically arguing is that they shouldn't be overseas that they should be safe at home rather than us engaging in all these wars Mm. um i sort of feel that yeah especially in america there is there is a lot of reverence paid to a military career, which I have personal issues about. Um, no, because he said that a couple of months previous, he, he'd sort of said, Oh, I saw what bombs did to people and I don't particularly want to bomb people anymore. But then he obviously did follow orders and complete his missions when yeah. there is I'm pretty sure that there are a number of people that, that who, having came to that conclusion, actually didn't. You know, there's there's a lot of research to suggest that mili- that people. In that, the, a lot of on the ground soldiers don't don't actually shoot to kill. In fact, try and shoot not to kill in a lot of occasions because they don't want to just indiscriminately kill other human beings.
1: <clears throat> yeah. Plus, that last mission he did that was previously a no go area because of collateral civilian targets. So yep. at that point, they turned around and said, "Well, we'll go for it anyway." So even more likely to cause civilian injuries and death. Mm-hmm. So for him to go from, I don't want to drop these bombs on the enemy to, yeah, let's drop them on places where they can hit civilians. It's not a good move.
0: Does it Does it seem like an epiphany that lasted?
1: No. No. And and that could be down to, in large part, down to being from a, such a big, successful, important military family. And, you know, that he could have been you know, in, in a tough situation personally of how to process that and stuff, um, I mean, but he still didn't have to make those choices.
0: Yeah. Not, not to mention the fact that, you know, armies are indoctrinated. Yeah. Um, and, he, you know, it's not something he's ever said, but you don't know what sort of things were put into his ear after he came out so publicly and say he had a problem with it
1: mm. um,
0: from his family or, commanding officers or whatever because I can't imagine that he that something didn't happen to him after he said that publicly
1: oh yeah guaranteed he had a bare minimum a very stern talking to Mm -hmm. yeah I I I can't help but have a little bit of a sense of respect for him for having survived what he went through
0: oh yeah POW as
1: well it's it's I I didn't know how bad it was for him and everything he went Mm. through over there and I found it absolutely astonishing that he not only went through that, but came back with no psychological damage as well.
0: Yeah, there does come a point where, you know, he obviously did hit rock bottom, he attempted Mm -hmm. to commit suicide, but then after that, it seems like he did gain some of that strength back again. Yeah. And sort of at that point went, yeah, surviving at this point becomes the biggest fuck you to to my captors.
1: Mm. Wow. We'll see how you've used change once we get into the the rest of his life. Yeah. Because this is only a small portion of his life. He's only hit 40 so far, so.
0: Yeah, and he hasn't even got into politics yet.
1: Mm-hmm. Which is where we'll carry on next time with his start into politics.
0: wait, okay, looking forward to it. Luckily, I only have to wait until you sign off and then we do another interview. Yeah. <laughs> going down the line. <laughs> yeah. behind the curtain doing this in one time. <laughs>
1: Um, If people enjoyed this and want to follow you online, do you have any social media that you want to plug?
0: Um, Feel free to follow me on Facebook. That's basically where I hang out.
1: Sweet. Yeah. Go check Hannah out on Facebook. For us here at Eccentric Earth, if you enjoyed the episode and you don't follow us on social media already, we have a Twitter, which is at eccentric underscore earth. We've got a Facebook, www.facebook.com forward slash eccentric earth, and we're on Instagram. If you want to get in contact with us to give us feedback or for suggestions for future episodes, our email address is eccentrique at outlook.com. And we're on all major podcast providers and YouTube, so please make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode and please leave us a review. Well, it's uh it's been fun so far, Han you've already lifted the curtains so they know this isn't a real goodbye between us, but, um, thank you for joining me <laughs> and, um, I'll see you next time in a few minutes.
0: Yep. Thank you for having me, Amy. <laughs> see you soon.
1: Bye. Bye. Bye.